0: The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com.
1: And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, USCfootball.com publisher,
2: Ryan Abraham. Hello. Welcome to another edition of the Paracel Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, joined alongside my buddy, my pal, Connor Morissette. You can call him Triple Double. They even have a podcast named after him now. This is crazy, but this is a podcast that we do every week, every Wednesday, sort of a little recap of what happened the week before, and then a preview of what's coming up uh, next week or this coming up weekend, and uh, we do appreciate everyone out there. Listening and watching, we are simulcasting live on our YouTube channel over at Inside Troy. So if you uh, have that and you're watching us live, thank you very much. Um, Jump in the chat there. You can put question and let us know. We'll do live questions uh, during the show. We do got some voicemails and emails and everything to get to as well. If you're listening on any of the podcasting platforms, thank you very much for doing that. We appreciate uh, everyone listening and everyone coming up to us at airports or games or wherever and just saying... They're fans of the show or they listen to the show. So it's always great to hear that and see that and talk to all you guys. So thank you very much. I was at the Laker game last night, Connor, and someone was walking to my seats like, hey, you know, listen to the show all the time and stuff. It was pretty cool. Um, so love, I'll, I don't know. I'm sure you like it too, but it's, it's a lot of fun. I definitely don't get it as
0: much as you. And you broke some news there, Ryan. Shotgun and I are starting a basketball podcast. First episode will be out this week. We interviewed a special guest on the show, so you'll have to tune in to see who that is but i'm really excited the basketball programs even though the men lost last night without two of their best players i think the future is really bright for both programs and uh yeah excited to do the triple double basketball podcast which is starting this week
2: nice all right so go check that one out because we don't have enough podcasts so we, do some <laughs> yeah. more. Uh, we have like at least one a day now we're gonna have more eight a week or something uh Saints world says hell yeah smash that like button trojan fan on your way in jj yeah so uh Smash the like button if you're watching uh, live on YouTube. So thank you for doing that. You can subscribe on our YouTube channel. Um, You can subscribe uh, wherever you're listening to the podcast. You can leave us reviews, especially on the Apple Podcasting app. We haven't had an Apple Podcasting uh, app review for quite a while. So go in there and uh, review. Let us know. Maybe it'll be a review for the uh, Triple Double basketball podcast. So um is Shotgun bum. that the, the, the podcast is named after you and not him? So he's included, too. It's the Triple Double Podcast with Shotgun Spratly.: I like it. Okay. <laughs> Triple Double Podcast f- with Shotgun Spratling. Hey, if you guys have uh, questions or comments, uh, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or call or text us at 424-254-9141. Like I said, we got a voicemail to play, and uh, I think we had a text message or two in there, and then all the other stuff we have to get to. I do also want to thank our sponsor, We've been very lucky to have uh, Trader Joe's as our sponsor. Man, it's got to be like five or six years now. It's, it's been a long time. And uh, we really appreciate um, them being with us. And It's just a great company. I have a lot of fun with it. I told you guys last week. Did a kitchen remodel. So restocking everything. I'm still kind of putting all my, like, all the stuff away. Like, you don't realize when you take everything out of your kitchen, put it in boxes, and you got to put it all back. Like, now you got to figure out where it goes, which cabinet. So I'm doing all that. But I can't wait to, like, sort of, like, redo the pantry and the the freezer and everything just like okay all kind of trader joe's stuff in there especially being fall we talked about the uh you know turkeys coming up i think the yeah turkeys are in there um you know mashed potatoes stuffing i love i love all that stuff and uh, you can go to trader joe's and and get all of it that's that's my favorite meal of the year connor's the thanksgiving one
0: me too don't forget to put those orders in for the turkeys thanksgiving's coming up fast uh Kind of time flies during the football season, so you blink and it's August, and then you blink and it's uh
2: already Thanksgiving. Where's the time gone? I know, and for USC fans, you could actually have like a Thanksgiving weekend off because yeah. USC has a bye week, um, so it's kind of fun. But uh, yeah, I'm flying back, uh, see some family back east. Uh, on what I should normally never travel during Thanksgiving because USC has a game, but uh, and this and then a lot. The last time USC had a bye, uh, in the week 13 slot you know Thanksgiving slot they end up making the Pac-12 championship game so this year no I guess it's still like someone said they're still like technically alive like there are a whole bunch of stuff could happen I don't think that's the case but
0: I think so it it would it's too many scenarios it's like you know in the NFL you need like nine teams to win and (laughs) them to win by this many points it's not going to happen
2: unfortunately, but uh they are still technically alive. I think that is true. Yeah. Uh Lisa says, "Hey Ryan O'Connor, love listening to you guys while at my desk." So thank you. Yes, we definitely encourage you to miss work and listen to the show. That's always uh great. Uh Saints World's roll call roll call representing 614, Central Ohio. So he's in Central Ohio. Um very nice. So we appreciate you uh coming in. Um uh, Mark says hello to us. So um, yeah, we appreciate everyone coming in. Alex says, "Fight on." So, thank you. We got a bunch of people in the chat. I will try to monitor the chat while we're recording the podcast. And like I said, if you have a question, just put question in the front so I can start and come back to it later when we uh, we get to all this stuff. I don't know how much we want to talk about uh, the last game. Um, I think USC fans sort of flushed it probably at halftime. Like they weren't even they weren't even ready to watch the end. They're just sort of like, ah. Eh what are we going to do? Uh, Oregon kind of was toying, you know, play with their food a little bit. Like it was a nine point game, but it didn't really feel that close. If Oregon wanted to score more, I think they could have. It's just one of those things where you had four opportunities to play ranked teams um, and couldn't get over on any of them. Losing four of the last five is the weirdest one for me, Connor. Like that just sits like differently. Like when you put it that way, like USC lost four of their last five games I think it's a tough pill to swallow for USC fans. They've sort of just been like, ugh, can this season get over fast enough?
0: Definitely. I don't think Lincoln Riley has had a losing streak like that since he was at East Carolina. Is that where he was before? uh, I think so. Yeah. Oklahoma or Texas Tech? Yeah. So I'd have to look back. But he was asked about that yesterday. I think it was like back in 2010 or something. It's been a long time. So that's sort of the biggest surprise. And everyone knew the schedule was going to be a lot tougher this year. but. Still, I mean, if you had told me, me and you both thought USC was going to win the Pac-12. So if you had told us they're going to lose four or five games right here before playing UCLA, we both would have been like, okay, maybe they'll have a disappointing year, but losing four out of five. It's unfortunate. It's worse than a lot of people thought. I kind of look at it, Ryan, like right now, a kid who needs a timeout, like go sit by yourself for a little bit, figure out the defensive coordinator, figure out your NIL situation, who's going to be quarterback, figure out the transfer portal stuff. They have so many questions heading into next season. And we'll talk about it all, but it's really all about results. They didn't get the results this year, and now they got to do a better job of putting themselves in a position to get better results next year. And I think the schedule is just as hard, and it's going to be a year – sort of like a bridge year, I think, because – Things can really be good the following year, in my opinion. But next year, USC needs to do a better job of like showing people, hey, we're building something. We're on the right path. And of course, it starts with Lincoln Riley.
2: Yeah, you got There's the a little self-reflection that needs to go yeah. on. I, I don't have an issue with some of the stuff Lincoln Riley was saying. I think you're trying to be positive. You're trying to, you know, show things in a more, uh, you know, uh, just a more positive light, I guess you could say. But I think you really, you know, once you fire Alex Grinch, you kind of realize, okay, this isn't, you know, I think you knew that it wasn't going in the right direction. You wanted to make it work. It's not, it's really not that close. Um, I mean, you look at different advanced metrics. USC is one of the worst defensive teams and one of the worst special teams units uh, in the country. I think you have to address that. You know, there, you have a top 10 or top five offense, and then you have, a dregs of humanity defense and really special teams unit. I mean, the only thing they've been good really is the, the, you know, the Zachariah branch returns and those were early in the season against cupcake opponents. I think you have to, there's a lot of self-reflection that's going to need to go on this. The hires huge. huge. Um, maybe the structuring of the staff afterwards, uh, how, you know, the, it's not working now. However, however you want to like manage special teams, it isn't working. You need to do something different there. That's not, it's not going to cut it. I'm not saying you need to hire a full-time special teams coach, but you need to do something different than you're doing because it's not working. Uh on, you know, two of the three phases of the game are broken. And i you know, I feel like I mean, you're doing the fans a disservice. I, I feel like they could have certainly done a lot better uh than they did. And, you know, just watching sort of what happened up at Oregon where, you know, the ducks were getting, you know, the that, that first Oregon drive, or I think it was the second, yeah, the first Oregon drive was 83 yards, I believe, Uh, you know, two plays, touchdown, and it was only 83 yards because USC punted from midfield, and it only got to the 17-yard line, and I think I turned to you, and I'm like, that's terrible, like, you can't, you know, it was like a 36-yard punt, like, at least get it to the 10, you know, I mean, and little things like that, and then you got okay, well, there's still a short field, I mean, a longer field and Oregon can move down the field and score a touchdown. Um, They eliminated the explosive running plays, but you gave up explosive passing plays. It just seemed like there was going to be something horrifically wrong in almost whatever you you try to stop this, and boom, this other stuff goes wrong. So I I feel like this looks like a fundamentally broken team on two of the three phases, and so that's why, for me, self-reflection... A lot of changes need to be made in the offseason to get it right. Absolutely. And Lincoln Riley talks about how they're so close.
0: And if they don't have Caleb Williams, I don't know how close they are. And Riley will always get good quarterback play. It's what he does best. We all know the history there. But, man, in the other phases, like you talked about, Ryan, I think the receivers, Taj Washington, we really like what he's done. but. Overall, I don't think the receivers have been as good as people thought. And the offensive line certainly hasn't. Defensively, no position group has been as good as people thought. Zachariah Branch in the return game was great. That sort of dried up, and that looks like it's going backwards. So just overall, there isn't really a lot to, to be excited about, which is a shame going into a big UCLA rivalry game that last year, remember all the buzz around this game? I mean, UC, USC had everything still ahead of them, and that was an awesome game that Corey Foreman sealed with a, with a big pick. And... I don't want to be the guy who's just like beating a dead horse here, but man, like I said off the air, just the air is out of the balloon right now. I feel like this is is a deflated team, and they can come out and do a nice job against UCLA. That that would make some fans happy, a rivalry win, but the damage is done this year, losing those four out of five.
2: Yeah, I think deflated is probably a good word, but usually uh, you're USC and you're deflated. Whoever's going to play you is going to beat you because they're riled up. They want to like they're excited to get USC. It's a down USC. Everyone's like, "Okay, you know, like I don't care if they're just not into it. If you're playing them in a crappy bowl game and they don't show up or whatever. Usually you whoever USC's opponent is when they're like sort of like out because they, you know, they've checked out, it's not going to go well. But <laughs> turns <laughs> out USC's opponent it's probably higher on the uh, triple-double deflation scale than <laughs> than most, uh, or certainly than USC. Uh, Bruno Report Online, was it earlier today or was it yesterday? Yesterday. Uh, reported that uh, Chip Kelly will likely be fired after the USC game. Um, I think they're pretty connected to what's going on there. Uh, you know, we were hearing reports that practice earlier this week was very lifeless. I don't think USC is in a lifeless state. Um, there's still a lot of energy. They just can't really, you know, they're, they're not executing outside of offense on the offensive side. They're just not able to to do much. But I feel like the effort's there. There's effort. There's energy. I think people care, even after losing four of your five, four of the last five. But I'm not sure what UCLA is going to do. And maybe that galvanizes the team if they all know that Chip Kelly is going to be gone, no matter what they do. Maybe they all play really well. UCLA's, you know, notorious for getting up for this game. But if there was one game that you think they might not get up for, it could be this one. They just seemed to, you know, it was lifeless against Arizona State. Like, that was awful. Like, Colin Schley, you know, I like the way he runs, but he's just not very good at throwing the football. I don't know if the other guys are going to be back this week. Um, Arizona state was running like swinging gate plays. Like it it was the weirdest 17 to seven game you're going to see. And uh, for them to lose like that to a really bad Arizona state team that has one, I think they had one FBS win this season um, to lose by double digits at home. I just don't know what kind of um, mental state the the UCLA Bruin football program is going to be in. So even if USC is having major problems, and checked out, and just like, okay, whatever, I think they're still their morale is still higher than what UCLA is, if that, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I just remember being in this studio and talking about USC-Arizona State when Arizona State played terribly against Fresno State the week before. It looked like that was a rock-bottom game for them, and I felt like, okay, they're there, and that's just where they're going to be, at least for a few weeks, and then they come out, and they play USC a lot better. So I am a little worried about the Chip Kelly stuff, galvanizing them, and Just USC's defense is so bad that even though UCLA's offense is so bad, I think there will be some plays to be made in the game for the UCLA offense, and it certainly could go the way that you talked about, Ryan, where they're just checked out, the coach is probably getting fired, the offense is terrible, their morale is even lower than USC's, but the rock bottom thing that I talked about, it seems like this year when USC has played a team is coming off of a rock bottom-like defeat, they've sort of bounced back the following week, so... I think with the rivalry game, we could see a little bit of a UCLA bounce back performance and USC on paper still that shouldn't matter at all. But the way this year has gone, I'm not ready to put my feet in the sand and make some big prediction. I I have no idea what's going to happen. It's two teams who have had disappointing years. And I think with Caleb Williams and USC's offense, they should be able to score enough points. But I still have questions about the defense, of course, and I'm, I'm not I'm still making my prediction. I'm still formulating it. Looking at the week, I got to take into
2: account a few more things because I don't think USC deserves the benefit of the doubt right now. Uh, Certainly not. And um, they did cover the spread against Oregon. Can't believe it. That was a weird one. (laughs) Uh, But that was the first time since September that they were able to do that. We had a comment uh, on YouTube from Paul. I think Riley, quote, copy and pasted what he did at OU, but it isn't working here. I'm not sure that would be accurate because – he's had to rebuild everything here. So I don't think there was a copy paste available, an option available. Um, Now, maybe you say, well, this is how we ran special teams there. And we had Alex Grinch running the defense, Um, you know, and so maybe that part, you're like, you've kept some continuity there. The whole reason he brought Grinch back was for staff continuity. And, but the reason was because they had to fix so many things and change so many things in year one, they wanted to keep some stuff stable. And it, that made sense to me when he told told us that, that, you know, they went from, you know, the, adding a nutrition program and not having enough offices for uh, coaches. There was so much that was wrong that they just had to fix. It was a really long list. They got things fixed. They won 11 games. And I think he wanted to keep some continuity within the staff. but. It wasn't, you know, the defense wasn't good enough last year and the continuity didn't help. It's still bad. So I wouldn't say it's a copy-paste thing. I don't know. What do you, what do you think?
0: I think he copied and pasted some things. But yeah, the personnel certainly, like you said, wasn't good enough. But I do think there really is something to Lincoln Riley needing to make some major adjustments because he made the college football playoff those first three years at Oklahoma. And then slowly, the teams were really good on offense still. And they had some up and down years on defense with Alex Grinch there. But like they never got back there and they were slowly kind of declining and Oklahoma fans. I know USC fans hate them and they make a lot of dumb points, but they did say when USC brought Lincoln Riley that of course they were upset, but there were some cracks at Oklahoma and of course USC, what Lincoln Riley was left with, that's going to, those cracks are going to be a little bit bigger in a rebuild. That's just the way it goes. I I think some of the cracks though, this year really kind of got exposed and, and you look at how it ended at Oklahoma with things trending, not really, it's not like he made the college football playoff the last three years. He made a, those first three years. So things were kind of going in a downward direction. I think we're going to need to see some wholesale, marquee, philosophical changes. And I hope Riley thinks that as well because his track record is great. And he's – remember after the Notre Dame game, he said, "I we lost, but I've – Brought back every team that's lost to the doorstep or very close to the college football or to, uh, excuse me, the conference championship game. Either the doorstep of it being within one game or uh, getting there entirely. And
2: they're just not close this year. So I I do think something has to change. I do. We had a question from Aaron or maybe a comment from Aaron. Lincoln Riley train going down, taking USC with him. Um, Well, here's the thing. Where was USC? How far down could USC have gone when Lincoln Riley took over? They were pretty much rock bottom, right? You were four and eight, losing your rivals, losing to a horrible Cal team. Um, There was no place to take it down. He raised USC back up. Yeah. Won 11 games. Texas A&M has won double digit games once in 25 years. So, like, winning 11 games is not insignificant. Winning a Heisman trophy is not insignificant. So, I don't think he could, if he got USC to four and eight next year, He's basically just flat, you know, like it's really hard to take USC down when they were as down as they could possibly be. So I think some people have to kind of keep that in mind. Like USC was not in a good place when he took over. He's not taking anything down because they were already you were basically in the bottom of the pit already trying to lift yourself up.
0: That's true. I think the big frustrating part of it though is this was year 2 of Caleb Williams and they had another year of recruiting, they used the transfer portal and the defense i think we can say now Ryan against good teams has been worse
2: which i can't I, believe we're saying that i think you're right i think against better teams it's the defense is worse which but it's hard like you can only score so many, every you can only score once every time you have the ball <laughs> and like that's what you're pushing against the ceiling of like how many times could washington have the ball 10 times they scored 8 you know and seven of them were touchdowns like you couldn't score much more than that. Like Cal couldn't score much more than what they were doing. You know, It's kind of weird. I just don't like the narrative that, oh, if this happened
0: the first year and then the what happened the first year was this year, people would be happy. Yeah, no kidding because they would be getting better and they just haven't gotten better. And I think that's why so many people are, are frustrated. And another year with Caleb Williams, it was okay if you lost a couple games because the schedule was harder. But flaming out the way they flamed out this year and giving Alex Grinch the benefit of the doubt after last year and really buying into him – it's a tough reality, but Caleb Williams' season was wasted, and he, he had a fantastic year and is still playing really, really good football. He deserved better, in my opinion, and I think Lincoln Riley needs to get some goodwill back with the fans because defensively this year, there were warning signs last year, and the worst possible thing that could have happened this year was
2: the defense gets worse somehow, and here we are. Yeah, it was the wrong call for sure, but like I said, I've said this a lot. I When his reasoning made sense to me, I'm like, I get it. I'm not saying it's going to be right. It was wrong, you know. Like I get your reasoning, but you needed to, especially being inside the program, looking around, going, "How do I think this defense is going to get better?" And I feel like Riley felt they got better personnel, so the defense will get better. They got better personnel, and at best, it was the same, which was god awful, like just terrible. You can't do that. Like it's hard to pair this elite defense with. This horrible offense. I think it was the uh, over at Rainer Troy, I think they were talking about this. USC had like the highest, uh, like the highest offense paired with like the lowest kind of defense. Like no one has no one in the top 25 of offenses had a defense anywhere near as bad as USC's. Like they were in the hundreds, and like I've, I've I forget what it was. Like UTSA or someone had like a defense in the 60s. It was, it was like not even close. Like nobody had Anyone that had like a good defense, I mean, a good offense like that, no one had as bad of a defense uh, ranked by SP+, Plus, the you know Bob Connolly's thing, um, ranked that bad. I think I think they said that his special teams were one thirty third, like in SP+, Plus, like the worst in the country, which is bad. But the good thing, you know, we don't say anything bad here. The good thing is, how can like what can turn around faster than almost anything? Defenses can turn around very fast, not with personnel, with coaching. Um, UCLA's was awful last year, right? And you get Lynn in there and they're top 15 or something. Like, they're really good. We've seen this a lot where getting a good defensive coordinator. Um, they they uh, promoted from within at Oregon State, um, Tyler Bray. And, uh, you know, instantly good. He's like a candidate out there people want to see. If you went out and hired a Jim Leonard... Uh, and I'm not sure he'd want to come out, but you get somebody like that, of that caliber, you can almost guarantee you the defense is not going to just be like, we were hoping like, hey, if it's top 50, you're going to win a ton of games. You get a guy like that, I mean, you're like top 20 defense, and now it's like, oh, you know, you're pairing, Lincoln is probably going to have a top 10 offense, no matter who's the quarterback, and then pair it with like a top 20 defense. Like, that's something. Like, USC was getting by with, one of the worst power five defenses out there, but they could still get by this year. They couldn't, I think getting a good defensive coordinator, making the right hire, you can turn that around instantly. And I think that's one of the, like the silver lining, I guess, for USC fans that this is something that can change quickly. If you make the right DC hire. I don't think Riley's ever had a
0: top 20 defense as a head coach. And that is because his offenses score quickly and it puts a lot of pressure on the defense. So I think people just don't think he can do it right now. And that's why the hire is huge. One last thing on the Riley defense thing, and then we can move on. I think the untrained eye comments and him talking about how it is better and you just can't see it. And then a few weeks later, you fire Alex Grinch because it's worse. Yeah. Like, no wonder there's so many fire Riley people. I kind of understand that a little bit. I don't agree with it. But when your coach can't see what everyone else can see, and then he acknowledges the mistakes a month later by firing the defensive coordinator. I I think that is going to be something that lives in infamy with USC fans until they do have a good defense and people are not going to be happy with them because of those comments after the Colorado game until things change. And I don't know how quickly things can change. You mentioned bringing in a defensive coordinator and and things happening quickly. I just need to see it to believe it. I I, I don't know if one hire is going to make everything a 10 out of 10. You know what I mean? Like I I just need to see what happens next season before I can say, okay, okay, Riley's back.
2: Yeah, Paul says the, uh, the untrained eye comment turned many USC yeah. alum fans against him. And they did. it's true. That did. That happened. And uh, I'm sure he regrets saying that. Um, but that was sort of him going all in on Alex Gridge. And uh, that's one of those things where you could kind of see, hey, this isn't working that well. I want to try to be positive, but I don't need to go all in. And he went all in like after seeing a few games of this. And everyone could see in a few games of this, like, this is still bad. You're just playing bad teams. Um, I Yeah, I think that was one of the biggest mistakes of the season. Just like, you could you could have cut your losses a little bit. Like, don't necessarily have to fire him early then, but you don't need to, like, go all in and say, you guys don't know what you're talking about when everyone knew what they were talking about. I think that really kind of hurt him. I
0: yeah, think. and then after the Arizona game, he went on that big tirade and just said the tackle's for losses and the sacks are better. And now those have just totally dried up and that has to do with the secondary struggling too and guys being open and the quarterback getting the ball away much quicker, but that's still a defensive problem. We can say the front is, is better and those numbers don't really do the front justice, but it's just an overall sort of
2: issue. And yeah, we'll see what happens Saturday. Johnny says, uh, not sure you understood Ryan Riley's reasoning. Ryan Riley has worked with Grinch for five years now. Uh, What told Riley he was doing a great job. I think the the reasoning was it wasn't necessarily about was he doing a great job. I mean, yes, like that's what you're weighing it against. But you're also saying like, well, we had deficiencies talent-wise on defense. So that's why we gave up all this stuff. He felt like the scheme was good enough. If we brought in better players – then you could take that next step. It was year two at USC. It doesn't matter, like, five years or whatever. He's seen Grinch for a while. He would kept him around. It was the first guy on the plane, so there was some loyalty there. But I feel like his reasoning was continuity was, was an important aspect to it. Like, if you're going to change the defensive uh, scheme, that's going to take some work. They had already changed so much before. So at some point you're like, I don't want to move, you know, every year. I don't want to like, okay, pick up my life and move every year. That was sort of one of those things where there's like a benefit to not moving again. Like, uh, I don't like this apartment. It's not the perfect apartment, but shit, I just moved here a year ago. So I'm going to stick it out one more year. Turns out it was wrong. It was rat infested and the plumbing was leaking and there was asbestos in the ceiling and all that stuff. So it was a wrong call, but the part, his reasoning was, I don't want to move again. I think that's – I guess if that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and people try to rewrite history a little bit. When Grinch came to Oklahoma, their defense did get better. They did, yeah. In, in 2019, it was good to average. In, in 2020, it was a pretty good defense. And then in 2021, it was a little bit below average. Last year, way below average. And then this year, it, it wasn't great. So I like obviously believe Riley should have fired Grinch after last season. But I get his rationale. And it wasn't like – Oklahoma's defenses were so bad or it was like, okay, this thing can't get any better. This was a swing and a miss. Riley has some defensive issues that have followed him from his time at Oklahoma and we'll have the whole offseason to get into the new hire on defense and and Riley changing and and all that good stuff. But I, I do think some people were so out on Grinch when at Oklahoma, the defenses weren't the strength of
2: the team by any stretch of the imagination, but they weren't as bad as they were at USC. Yeah, they were really bad here. Uh, LFG says, uh, USC fans don't care, but the 23 punter, Eddie Zablitsky, uh definitely kicked way better at Arizona State. Yeah, he was all packed well. Yes, he did. Um, it's strange that, you know, their field goal kicker and punter were not stronger in 23. Special teams should have been better. You went out and got the best punter in the conference, and they've been pretty bad punting the ball. They've been really bad blocking, um, covering kicks. I mean, they've just been bad at all that stuff. But, the punter is like, that should be the same. And I don't know if you're coaching him up to do something different, but he went from all pack 12 to very mediocre at at best. I think the special teams guy is a former punter, right? Ryan Doherty. I think he was a cup of
0: coffee in the NFL and he was a punter. So I, I don't know. And it just sounds like we're beating up on him right now. Like the defense, the special teams, but you're right. I think fans had an expectation that things were going to get better this year and, I don't know. Are special teams worse? That seems like a stretch. I don't think they're worse because we all remember the. SB Plus has
2: them last in the country. Okay, so there you go. You gave me some some data, <laughs> so it is worse. I mean, I, like it's hard to judge, and they, <laughs> but it's really bad. Like I think you know, I would like to see what Pro Football Focus says or whatever. Like if you, but SB Plus has them 133rd.
0: Pro Football Focus did have them last. Um, Last year, let me see what they have them. Okay, year. so
2: then they got better, maybe with pro football. Well, yeah, Focus. but
0: that those grades can be finicky. Yeah,
2: but the, the you're not going to say is one thirty third way worse than one thirty first. No, like whatever. But all, all you need to know is it's bad. Like look at all the numbers, and it's like your special teams units are not good. Pro Football Focus has them ninety second,
0: one behind one and nine Kent State. Wow. Okay. But last uh, year they were dead last. So.
2: So they, okay, maybe better. Um, We have a super chat. Uh, Thank you from James. Uh, Going off what Connor said, if changes aren't made, how long does he get to make those changes? Hmm. So he's trying to put it in a different way.
0: Yeah. I mean, it depends what it looks like. If they go eight and four for the first two years in the Big Ten, that probably won't make too many people happy. But eight and four in the Big Ten, you were four and eight before Lincoln Riley came here. I think unless they're losing to teams that are not ranked and it like looks really bad. Riley wins a lot of games, and they might not be the prettiest games, but he's proven he can win these games. So I, I think when time will start to run out on him, when that happens, they start to lose to teams that they shouldn't lose to. The only games that they've lost have been against ranked teams, which, of course, it's been really disappointing this year. But it's not like they lost to Cal. It's not like they lost to Arizona, even though they came
2: really, really close. Yeah. Ryan has a uh, Kevin has a comment. Ryan, you're making excuses. Stop it. I don't know what I've been making excuses for telling you they have like the worst special teams unit in the country. They need to make changes there. Uh, their defense is arguably worse than one of the historically bad defenses we saw from USC last year. No one has an offense that high paired with a defense that low. You need to make major changes. I don't know what kind of excuses those are, but I'm telling you, those things need to change. Um, so. Yeah, sorry you feel those are I don't know what to tell you, but I'm telling you they're terrible, like they're terrible at that stuff. They need to get better. Uh I get why. Wrong call. He made the wrong call. Like, there's no excuses there. Like, you just made the wrong call. So uh you gotta move forward. Um, all right. What's our little hoops? I was in Vegas, uh was it last week? Was it no, yeah. I'm the whole time is all together. So Got to see the men and women kick off. And I know you mentioned you and shotgun are having a USC basketball podcast. Um, The USC women kept winning um since they came back from Vegas. Uh The men d- did not see. I, you know, I decided people thought I was a jinx Connor. Cause I wouldn't go to a lot of basketball games, but I would go to like the big ones that they would lose, you know? And I uh, started so like, Ryan, don't go to the games. Oh, Ryan's at the game. Like it became this thing. I went out to Vegas both, you know top 10 team two two elite eight opponents i saw usc win both of those games so there's no more jinx for me you however you were at the the galen center last night very beatable team in in uh, the anteaters uc irvine so maybe you're the jinx now that they lost so everyone can get on connor tweet him at c underscore morrisette triple double there No, I'm just kidding. But, yeah, that was a a tough loss with a couple of the main players out. Yeah, so no Boogie Ellis, who leading scorer last year,
0: captain. No Kobe Johnson, best defensive player, another reliable scorer. Bronny James, of course, is out. I don't know how much USC was going to rely on him anyway, him being a true freshman. But three guys who Andy Enfield said really would have made a big difference, so we'll take his word for it. Of course, the first two guys did. And then, yeah, UC Irvine. Their leading scorer had 25 points, a sixth-year guard, so just way more experience, a, a good big West foe. And the big problem for USC was with their two two of their top scorers out, Isaiah Collier was a little banged up. He still scored 23 points. Uzziah Sellers and DJ Rodman, guys who you needed to have score, were a combined one of 19 from the floor, and USC loses by 10. So you don't want to... Put the blame on two people. Specifically, it was a team game, but man, oh man, those guys not being able to hit shots, that was the killer. Was it 29%? Was that the... Uh, 28.8%, I think. Okay. so. <laughs> I'm round up. Well, sorry, <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I just remember I was writing my story. You could just and, say yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, right. Horrible. Uh, so I think yeah, it, it was not a pretty game. And I think when everyone's healthy, USC is really really good. But if some of these guys are out for an extended period of time, which Andy Enfield keeps saying they're day to day, you know, I, I'll I, we'll see what happens down the line. But if they're out for a long time, USC is going to be in some trouble here.
2: We're all day to day. that's a that's the saying Uh, all right we'll see what's going on there but I'm excited I mean I think if you guys get into when I was a freshman or when I was at you know in college uh Lisa Leslie was the big recruit that came in she had scored like 100 points in a high school game she could dunk all this stuff so I actually went to some uh USC women's basketball games back then and uh it was cool and I think having like Juju Watkins there like having like the you know, top recruit. Like it looks like they're building a nationally elite power. And we've seen, you know, like when UConn was really good at women's basketball, Tennessee was really good at women's basketball, South Carolina, um, LSU, you know, and the excitement that they've, you, know, you can, it can be pretty fun, you know. Um, and USC's got history, you know, with Cheryl Miller and uh, they did a documentary on USC women's basketball winning a couple national championships in the 80s. So I think that could be kind of a fun thing uh for USC fans to sort of like, you know, go into, especially going into the Big Ten. Um, I mean you could go in and potentially dominate that league. Uh I don't know much about women's basketball in the Big Ten. We saw them play Ohio State and uh, you know, kind of ran them out of the gym there towards the end. Um, I think they had some good teams, but like if USC's building the recruiting class they have and you know, Juju Watkins probably gonna be around for a while. It's not like one and done's like you get in the the men's game for NBA, yeah, it could be a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I think the men's side too, you know, Isaiah Collier looks like an absolute stud, but you might only have him for a year, you know, so we'll see how long that's, it's a little different on the men's side, but, um, you know, stub your toe once with UC Irvine with a couple guys out. We'll see sort of, you know, kind of where they go from here, but, you know, they've got a good win to start the season. And, you know, I think there's a lot of positivity around all the basketball stuff. Absolutely. And Shuju Watkins,
0: the Lisa Leslie comparison, it's a lofty one, but she's that kind of player. She's that next WNBA star, that next Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, college basketball star. So let's not put her in the WNBA before she gets there, of course. Amazing, amazing talent covering her in high school. She won everything that there was to win at Sierra Canyon, and now she'll be able to go against some some better players, of course, at the college level. I, I don't know why they played LeMoyne College the other night. I, I thought that was kind of funny if they predictably – Killed him, but in the Pac-12, there are I think six or five or six top ten teams right now in the AP poll, so wow. the league is really really deep, and it's going to be awesome to watch Juju Watkins play some of the best competition in the country night in and night
2: out once league play starts. Um, yeah. Well, we we little hoops talk. We don't do a lot, but we'll do some. Uh, since I was at a couple games and Connor was just at the game last night, it's sort of mixed in the chat. Some people like it, some people don't, but we appreciate that. Um, anything from practice yesterday, Connor, that sort of, uh, stood out to you? Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of weird. It's just a weird sort of week where you're like, all right, UCLA's coming up, just lost again. Uh, now what, you know, but what was it like at practice yesterday?
0: I asked Riley, where the heck has Sierra Wright been? We haven't seen him since Notre Dame. He played one snap on special teams. He hasn't been in practice the last couple of weeks. He said, do you have any update on him? Injury transfer portal, anything? He said, He's not with us right now. That's all I can say. So Sierra Wright is not with the team. Not sure why. Don't want to speculate too much, but it looks to me like he's going to be a transfer portal guy. He, of course, has lost his starting job two years in a row, and I wouldn't be surprised if he got sick of that and elected to transfer. That was sort of the big news of the day for me yesterday. Riley also talked about the UCLA front seven, how they've struggled on offense, how he's spent a little bit more time with the defense, a lot of. The same sort of stuff. The weekly opponent, just an update on the defense. I I, I thought the biggest news, though, was Sia right. Okay, so
2: nothing uh, too crazy. Not really focused on the, the, the Oregon game, I guess. Just sort of like kind of looking forward. Well, he's to-
0: happy that they stopped the run better, but I think they still gave up four and a half yards per carry. So the explosive plays weren't there, but 4.5 yards per carry. You, you run it three times. You're, you're getting a first down every time. I, they still... Need to improve leaps and bounds there. Of course, it was better after the Washington debacle, so it's good to see the improvement. But he sort of is hanging his hat on the uh,
2: defensive run game, and it was better, but, I mean, it still wasn't great. I mean, I I don't think you can say, man, we really stopped the run when Bo Nix threw for 400 yards and his first two passes went for like 180 yards or whatever it was. Like, 174 yard, I forget what it was for the two, but a seventy something yard touchdown and an eighty something yard touchdown. He had two completions and was averaging you know eighty, it was like 161 yards or something. Eighty, I think he was averaging eighty point five yards per completion at that point. So I don't care if you did a good job stopping the run, if you're allowing passing plays that they've never seen something like that before. I think uh Troy Franklin is the first player to have two catches for 174 yards in like the Pac-12 history or something. I mean, there's some crazy numbers that were out there like what? Um, Yeah. There was just stuff that you're just like, okay, I get that's nice that you stopped the run. You let them throw all over you. So that's one of those things too. I'd rather have them say like, you know, we were, we got run on by a passing team the previous week. So we tried to stop the run and, we didn't. We we did an okay job, but man, we just gave up too much in the passing game. They gave up way too much of the passing game for you to even like comment on how you stop the run. You know, like I, that doesn't make much sense to me.
0: Yeah, and he talked about struggling in the pass game. To uh, one of the big stats from the Pac-12 since 2012, two Division One college football quarterbacks have thrown completions of at least 75 yards in a game on their first two throws. Bo Nix did it Saturday against USC, and then the last time it happened was in 2019. The Baylor quarterback Jacob Zeno did it. So, elite company there uh, defensively. <laughs> <laughs> every week it's yeah, been every like... week it's something, and that's that's the killer. It's like a meme. It's like a joke. You know yeah. what I mean? It's the it, Obviously, stuff needed to change, and I feel, RJ... I feel bad for USC fans right now because it's like it's just going to be a, an off season of what's going to change. Here's what's different. Here's what's different, and you just need to see it before you can believe again.
2: Yeah, RJ, I think pointed out was it three weeks in a row? Yeah, the Pac-12 Offensive Player of so for the entire conference, the guy who did the best on offense for 3 weeks in a row had played USC. So, they had their the the best game of the week in the conference when they're playing the USC defense. Like that's a that's a bad indication. Um if you're playing like fantasy football and you're like, "Oh, I got this, you know, I, I got, you know, Justin Jefferson or I got Cooper Cup. You got one of the great receivers. And it's like, oh, they're playing the Giants this week. He should have a huge game. Like, that's fine. They play like Baltimore or something. You're like, okay, he might not get as big in numbers. But USC's got that, like, New York Giants, Steven. They got the one that's like, oh, yeah, my guy's going to go off this week. And that just seems to happen week after week. Like, your dudes go off. And it might not be the one you expected, but someone on your team is going to go off when you're playing USC week after week after week and that's what's just to not stop anybody um you have to you can't let someone go bananas every week against you maybe multiple people go bananas and that's what USC's done they've never stopped the bananas run like everyone just has amazing games you know it's it, every team has somebody that has amazing games against USC and that's just like inexplicable you can't let that happen
0: I'm sure you've been looking at the hot board. Do you have a favorite candidate right now, Ryan? Someone in your eyes who would be I mean, the best
2: fit? I mean, Jim Leonard to me is the best. Like he would be, uh, I think he would kill it at USC. I don't know if you can get him, but I think he would be my number one guy. Do you have a number one or? Well, my number one, if you could have anyone, would be Manny Diaz, but
0: I don't think that's realistic. He's at Penn State. What are your thoughts on Danton Lynn if Chip Kelly does get fired and you just bring him across town? He seems to be like, the hot name right now. He did a great job this year. I don't want to call him the flavor of the month, but he hasn't really consistently just because he hasn't been around that long as a coach stacked up those great defenses. Is he someone you think would be worth taking a chance on?
2: I think so. Just because, I mean, he wouldn't be the highest on my list, but like potential, you know, you're already in LA. um, You got, there's, you know, NFL stuff that helps. You've turned a defense around. Um, You know, UCLA was ranked pretty low and then, now they're ranked pretty high. That's what you want. You would like a longer track record. Um, so it might be something where if you couldn't get Jim Leonard, there's a bunch of guys you couldn't get. It's not a bad option. But I think you're taking a little bit more of a risk because you don't have the track record there. But he's shown that he could do it in the city. And he did it you know, in year one. And that's what you want. Like You don't want to waste time. You don't want to take three years to build a good defense. You want to do it in year one. And he did it. In year one. So I don't think it's a terrible option, but it wouldn't be like, you know, my top three or anything.
0: I like him because his dad is an offensive guy and he's a defensive guy. He's trying to blaze his own path. And that, as a fan of the Patriots and having to watch Bill Belichick's kid stick out his tongue every week, I, I kind of like that he's trying to do his own thing. And the last year, or excuse me, this past season right now for UCLA has looked really good. And they did it with not a ton of talent and some of these other defensive coordinators who are really good, just have the best recruits. So I think it makes sense to me. I wonder what he's like as a recruiter. I think it's a lot different recruiting to USC than UCLA, of course. Yes. I don't know all the talk. Like it's one of those things. There are just so many names right now. I'm looking forward to one of the national guys or even one of us on on the site to try to like trim it down a little bit. And then we can really start to have these conversations. Cause right now it's like anyone.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know what, and people like complain, which I hate, like, he's making, Lincoln Riley's making $10 million a year or whatever. It's like, yeah, okay, going rate right for a head coach with his resume. That's what it is. But you're paying a guy that much, you expect them to go make the great hire. Figure out what the best hire can be and you go get him. That's part of why you're paying that kind of money. So this is, uh, it's great to speculate and we can talk all about it, but at the end of the day, you want it to come down to when he, they make the hire and it's announced. You go, yeah, that looks like that's going to work. Like that's what you want it to be, and you want it to work. It's more important for it to work than for us to think it's going to work. But I think you know, if it's all the same, you're like, okay, wow, that that's impressive. Okay, I think they're gonna they're taking this seriously. That's what you want to see when you're paying a guy that much money, not. Wait, what? Why are you getting that guy? And maybe it doesn't work out, but you would rather have it be something that's just like, okay, that makes a whole lot of sense. can't believe they were able to get that guy. That's what you want uh, when this hire goes through.
0: Yeah, and the tough part of it, too, is if a guy comes in and he's young and he does a really good job, then he probably gets snatched up. So you hope that it's someone who, if they are really good and they do leave – teach someone else to do it. And now I'm getting ahead of myself, but you know what I mean? You can get burned pretty quick. We see in the NFL, if head coaches are so far tilted to one side and they just hire a great offensive coordinator and things go really well, and then they lose that coordinator, it's tough to replace that offensive coordinator. And in USC's case, it would be a defensive coordinator year after year after year. If things are going well.
2: Yeah. All right. Uh, We have a super chat. Thank you from Michael. Uh, or thank you too, Michael. Um, if SC loses to UCLA, uh, how do you then feel about the coach and team?
0: It wouldn't change a ton for me. I think this year's been a big disappointment. This would add to the disappointment. I I wouldn't, it would be a a bad look if they were checked out and they lost. They shouldn't lose this game. It doesn't really change a ton for me. This year was bad. We, we we know it. And I hate to like look ahead when there's already, when there's one game left, but. You know, it doesn't change a lot. The damage has been done. That Utah game was everything. That was the pass or fail. They lost that game. No matter what happened the rest of the way, that was going to be the big disappointing game. So,
2: Yeah, Michael, I think it would be a terrible look, especially because you have a UCLA team that's circling the drain that's firing their coach. Um, you know, I thought it was a really funny—we're um, This we're in silly season, right? In college football, way too much going on at once. You're going to have the transfer portal opening up. You got coaches being fired. Um, coaches being poached, uh, signing day, all this, you know, the playoffs, you know, conference championship games. In like a 30-day window, college football crams all of your best crap into one small capsule, which is so dumb. You got to spread it out. The signing day should not be in December. It should be back in February. That's my little sort of rant on all that. Um, I agree. Yeah, but the, the crazy thing that happened was we had a game. In the SEC, one team won, I think it was 55 14 or something, or 52-17. It was 50, it was something really bad. Uh the, the team that lost, you know, got crushed, uh, was Mississippi State. They fired their head coach. Now he took over, he's one of the you know potential defensive coordinator candidates, too. Took over when Mike Leach unfortunately passed away. Um, so it was like a one-year thing, and he's out. But the team that won, Texas A&M, also fired their coach. So you had a game where, and the the Texas A&M side fired their coach first. So the team that won by forty points fired their head coach, and then the team that lost by forty points and the team, you know, uh, it was that was just kind of funny. That's the kind of silly season we're going into now. So, yeah, for UCLA, knowing that your coach is going to be out, like, what does that do? You lose that gate you you lose to a team that's circling the drain like that. That's a really bad look. But like Connor said, I don't know how much it changes. It's just an extra like, ugh. Um, but you could at least get some momentum by beating UCLA, keep the victory bell. There's there's value in doing that, but you gotta take advantage of it. You can't just let a team that's like pretty much dead in the water somehow win.
0: Yeah, there's definitely value there. Absolutely. And it would be a terrible look if they lost just what what's happening. To UCLA, I just kind of in these moments think big picture, just if it's not going the way it should be going and you win this game, that doesn't change much. It's a big rivalry game and it means a lot to a lot of people. So I don't want to just overlook it completely. But you know what I mean? Like, no matter what happened Saturday, this season didn't go according to plan. and It Rangers doesn't fix the season. To, even if they win 49 nothing, then I'm not saying, oh, you know, nice job. But I'm, I'm saying, where was this a couple of weeks ago?
2: Yeah. No, and, and I think for USC, like going 8-4, and and beating UCLA, losing to Notre Dame, it's not a super successful season. I think it, at UCLA, like there have been teams that have been like 500 or below, but they get a, a win against USC at the end of the season, and it sort of like saves the season. This isn't going to save the season. Um, it makes it a little more tolerable. Uh, you'd rather keep that bell, all that stuff. You want to do all those things. Um And try to build some momentum and get a better bowl game. And, you know, USC hasn't won a bowl since the Rose Bowl in 2017. So you want to get that win. You want to get the nine wins. It doesn't make the season better, but it's it's a lot more tolerable, I guess. Or maybe not a lot more tolerable. It's more tolerable if you beat UCLA and you get to a decent bowl game.
0: I am excited for the bowl game because... The fan base right now just needs some buzz and the defensive coordinator will provide some buzz, whoever the higher is. But like if they play in Oklahoma and USC beats Oklahoma, then that's going to get a lot of people excited based on all the trash talk that oh my God. Oklahoma fans have had. And that's a tough matchup. I, I think Oklahoma was, oh, would yeah. probably be favored in that game. And that would show you something that USC, they haven't totally checked out and they beat a good team. Playing LSU, that would be really fun. Playing like in Iowa, that would be really fun for different reasons. LSU with the great offense against USC's great offense. No Caleb Williams, potentially that could certainly change things. But Iowa, what would that look like? A Lincoln Riley against Brian, or not Brian, Kirk Ferentz defense. So uh, good on good. Like, I, I I do think a bowl game could be kind of valuable, even though this year it's like, ah, eh, you know, whatever. Yeah.
2: All right, why well, don't we do this? We'll so take a quick break and we'll get back. We got a bunch of questions to get to. So back in a minute, everybody. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. All right, we're back here on the Parastyle Podcast, and uh, we got another Super Chat. So we'll start with that one as far as questions go, Connor. Um, Michael says, uh, oh, wait. So I think that was the wrong one. Sorry. Um pull up the he says, Does Caleb play in a bowl? We'd had this conversation on Tunnel Vision Sunday night.
0: I could see both things happening, him playing, him not playing, but my prediction would be that he doesn't just based on his team and based on USC not playing in a New Year's Six bowl. Like there's so much around him and he is kind of like a business a little bit. You know what I mean, Ryan? Like, of course, he's a great football player. Yeah. And I, I enjoy covering him. But there's just so much more to him than football player and potentially hurting the brand, getting hurt in one of those games, I don't think makes sense for a guy like him. And if he did play, that would be awesome. A great competitor. Felt like he owed it to his teammates. But if he doesn't play, I'm obviously not going to hammer him. And I, I think it's a smart move.
2: Yeah. Uh, my gut says he'll play. But, you know, could be wrong there. I mean, there's real football reasons not to, but I could see him being one of those guys that does. And you, you had Me mentioned Bryce Young; he did it. Now that was a bigger bowl than what USC is yeah. going to be in. But um, James says that wasn't a break. LOL. Okay, so if you're watching, <laughs> so if you're watching live on YouTube, we play the break. So this is a recording. This is a live. We could call it simulcast. Dave does, Dave Woods doesn't like to call it simulcast, but we are recording ourselves live on video while we're recording a podcast this is mainly a podcast so we've been doing the podcast we said okay we'll do the video element to it that's got pretty big too on youtube but we have to take a break for the podcast and if you're listening on the podcast there'll be ads inserted Uh, i think they do put an ad in or a quick one while you're doing the live stream but that's not like the same sort of break that we would get for if you were listening on the podcast but thank you for that one okay uh let's go a voicemail play this one for you connor
1: Hi, this is Rick from Vesta. i got a question. I'm looking towards next year, really afraid about the schedule. I'd like to know what you guys think about the schedule going forward next year. I'd like to know your thoughts on the players coming back, because it appears as if we're losing a lot of seniors um, or players that are going to try to go to the NFL. And I'd like to know what your thoughts are, because I think we're going to lose Four offensive linemen or three? And do we have good backups? You know, and obviously quarterback is Malachi or is um, the top recruit they got from last year. Is he good enough to play? Anyways, or is Miller Moss a man? Anyways, I'd like to know what your thoughts are, please. Um, I appreciate your input. Thank you. Bye.
0: We could do a whole show on that question. Yeah. I think the schedule is still really hard and it reminds me of this year, starting with LSU is, is a challenge. And then a couple of weeks later at Michigan, obviously that'll be hard. And then I think like, you know, this year, USC beat Cal, USC beat Arizona, Arizona's having a really good year, but like I look at Wisconsin at Minnesota at Maryland, Rutgers, those are all games USC should win, but I wouldn't be surprised if they dropped one of them. Nebraska comes to mind too. And then, I mean, Notre Dame last game of the year, Penn state, it's it's very challenging. Zach, Jack mentioned how he felt like they got some breaks because there aren't any back-to-back road trips, nothing with snow potentially falling later in the year. I agree, but I still think it's really hard.
2: Yeah, I do too. Um, but it's... I think the offensive line, they've recruited well there. Uh, you can replace guys, but they've... It's been veterans and portal stuff the last couple years, but... They're gonna have like two classes in a row, four or five guys. Like I feel like you're building the the strength of the offensive lineup, um, you know, more than the defensive side. So I think there's a little more concern there.
0: We can do some lightning round roster stuff if if you want. I, I think you need a center out of the transfer portal. Okay. You hope Elijah Page is your left tackle. You hope Emmanuel Prenyon stays and is your left guard. I think he will. New center, right guard Gino Quinones, Hopefully, if he's healthy. New right tackle, in my opinion, whether that's a transfer guy or one of the recruits or maybe even Mason Murphy. That's something to look at. I think Lake McCree comes back at your tight ends. You got a bunch of young tight ends. Not really too concerned there. I think Dorian Singer comes back at wide receiver after a disappointing season. I anticipate Mario Williams being back, Zachariah Branch, Kyron Hudson. I don't think Brendan Rice comes back. Taj Washington is gone. So you still should have a solid group of wide receivers. I I think they'll take one big-time receiver out of the portal. Yeah. Quarterback, your guess is as good as mine right now. I'm not even going to speculate on that. If it's Miller Moss, if it's Malachi Nelson, if it's a transfer running back, you're going to have to make some moves there because I think Marshawn Lloyd goes to the NFL. Austin Jones is gone. Relique Brown is going to be gone. Darwin Barlow is gone. So Quentin Joyner, Amarian Peterson – those are two freshmen I expect them to make a couple moves there do we want to do this on defense Ryan or do you want to
2: move on uh go ahead if you want to you're on a roll we're gonna <laughs> knock it out
0: Jamil uh, Muhammad I believe he might have a year of eligibility left off to check on that he's a, it says he's a redshirt senior but I forget if he used his his covid waiver or not he could come back I don't know about him Anthony Lucas I think he'll be back Braylon Shelby could he be a surprise transfer portal guy? I hope not. I think he's really good. We'll see. A lot of these guys could be surprised transfer portal people. And I think on defense you can not rule anything out. Jack Sullivan's yeah, gone. Because Stan- you're gonna have
2: staff changes, so that's gonna you know.
0: Stanley T's gone, a defensive tackle. I think Elijah Hughes will come back. Bear Alexander I think comes back. Keon Barris is gone. Dejon Benton, I think, is gone. Tyrone Tulaney. Might have another year left, but I think he's gone because he's he's old. So you're going to have to build up the interior of the defensive line. Solomon Bird is gone. Romelo Height can come back. Corey Foreman, I think, will be gone. So just the defensive line, you recruited some guys, especially on the edge, but inside, man, oh, man, are they going to need some work there. So that screams to me, transfer portal. Linebacker. Could Eric Gentry enter his name in the transfer portal if he doesn't like how this year played out? I know he's already transferred once. I hope he comes back. I think he's really good. Yeah. Same with Tackett Curtis. A little bit of an up and down freshman year, of course. He's seen his role get a little smaller. He, of course, committed to Alex Grinch. Could he come back? Could he be a transfer portal guy? Both of those guys I think will come back, but we'll see. Mason Cobb could come back. Defensively, I'll, I'll wrap this up. <laughs> there are a lot of questions. I, I think Damani Jackson could potentially transfer, but he has more eligibility. See, uh, Christian Roland Wallace is gone. Offense is sort of easier to project out except a quarterback. Defense, your guess, is as good as mine with a lot of these guys and all the staff changes.
2: Yeah. We have a uh, super chat from James. If SC wins, can we get David Woods on Tunnel Vision? Um, I mean, he comes on. We do like a live podcast every week, so you get to see him on our podcast of champions, but – I guess we could get him on or something. I don't know. I think he's he's gonna be really busy covering coaching search stuff. So uh, we also have a super chat from Michael. Thank you for that. Uh, the Big Ten only has two teams. SC faced better teams this year than they will next year. They're going to be an easier conference. Mm, I don't know about that. Like Penn State's got a legit elite de- defense, just not much of an offense. Iowa has a legit defense that could slow you down. Just no offense. Obviously, Michigan and Ohio State are really good. But USC also plays LSU and Notre Dame. So I think it's going to be harder next year. And they still have Washington on the schedule.
0: Yep. I mean, Penn State, I think, is probably – where would Penn State be in the Pac-12 if we if we did that? I, I think they could give Washington and Oregon games. I probably would pick Washington and Oregon to yeah, beat them.
2: I, but I don't know if they – they might be behind Oregon State too, like – their offense is bad, so... Their offense is too bad. Like, it's just, like, Oregon State can run on you, you know, and they can... They got DJU, like, they're... I Just because they're so one-dimensional, I don't think you see that in the Pac-12 as much. Like, there's just not the... I think Washington can score, Oregon can score, Oregon State can score, you know? Their just defenses aren't as great, so...
0: I also think the Pac-12 this year, I don't want to say, like, it got lucky, but this hasn't been the Pac-12 that we're used to, you know what I mean? Like, it's been rare no, it's to been have high wa- this mark. many really good teams... And I just look at next year in the Big Ten. That's where all the money is. Year two of Matt Rule at Nebraska, I think that's a tougher game than some people might think. At Maryland, USC has not played very well on the road, even though Maryland isn't some world beater. You got that game on the road. Rutgers and Greg Schiano. I think they're terrible on offense, but he's a good coach. I, I just think the talent might not be there like player-wise, but I, I think programs overall – are a little bit better in the Big Ten year on a year-to-year basis, and the Pac-12 is kind of up and down. So I don't know if that made total sense, but I hope you get what I'm saying.
2: Yeah, along those lines, Don had an email question: How many times during the Hilton administration did we just did we say, "quote Just got beat by a better, more talented team." The Big Ten teams will be looking forward to West Coast vacation next year. I mean, I agree with Connor. Like, there's some good teams, but like there's some really good teams in the Pac-12 too. So it's not like, I mean, Washington and Oregon or look elite right now, like a Michigan and Ohio state, maybe a little notch below, but the rest of the big 10, there's some bad teams in there. So I wouldn't say like, yeah, I wouldn't say, Oh, the big 10 is just going to like roll over all the West coast teams. No, I don't, I don't think, you know, like meet like the Iowa, like going to, to Oregon, like they're going to get pumped, you know, like that's Yeah. So I, I wouldn't say that it's just like, oh, the Big Ten's going to roll over the West Coast. I would disagree with Don on that.
0: I think, like, I, I'm kind of torn here. I, I keep saying how hard the Big Ten is, and I, I do think it's hard. But this year, of course, the the Pac-12 has been challenging. I just don't think it, it makes sense. Like, oh, we're going to the Big Ten. It's easier. It, it, it might be, like, a smidge easier, but it's still a big challenge. It's one of the two best leagues nationally, of course. I, I don't look at it at all like, oh, new league for USC. It's a lot easier. That's just not how I see it.
2: Yeah, This is uh, Jeff, the math teacher in Fountain Valley, and it's a journalistic integrity check. So we're getting a journalistic integrity check. I need need one of those. From a math teacher. Uh, He says, I need to hear you say that Lincoln Riley has underperformed as USC head coach this season. No disrespect and not saying you're Homer, but if you can't say it without asterisks and excuses, I don't think I can continue to listen. Thanks and fight on Jeff, the math teacher, Fountain Valley. Um, I think I've said that a million times. So yeah. Is that directed to you? Uh, maybe. Not that you I'm, haven't I'm, said let it. Me let me sit here. I'm going to look at the camera, Jeff. Hold on. I'm going to say, like, first of all, I wouldn't say, like, write to uh, someone that talks about sports or writes about sports for a living and tell them, if you don't have this opinion, I'm never listening to you again. Okay? So my instincts would be to go opposite and just have a different opinion and say, tough, you know. But 100%... Lincoln Riley underperformed as a head coach this year. The wrong call to keep defensive coordinator Alex Grinch. The wrong call to have whatever leadership structure he had around special teams. Both of those units were really bad. And you had an elite offense, an elite generational talent at quarterback. You needed to surround him with the best chances to win. Your special teams did not help you win. Your defense certainly did not help you win. That's falling on a failure of the head coach. That doesn't mean I think he's a bad head coach. That doesn't mean I think that you needs, USC needs to go in another direction. He made some calls that were wrong. And I'm you, know, you want to give the benefit of the doubt, he did a lot of good stuff in year one and took a dumpster fire and made them nationally relevant. So I think you can still, there's still upside there, but year two is different than year one. And I think a lot of the stuff he called right in year one, he called wrong in year two. And so now it's coming down to, all right, well, now you got to go and fix that. And uh, I still think you can, but there's no question that this was a disappointing underperformance of a college football season for USC forgettable in every aspect. Hopefully, does he like that one? I hope so. I don't think we lost a listener after that. Uh, yeah. Have I said things like different? I haven't said things different than that. I mean, maybe just not like concise. You're all just a huge way. homer, Ryan. Face it. Just a huge homer, you know. Well, I don't think Lincoln Riley should be fired. I think you should uh, roll with it. So I get your homer there. Um, Stephen Poway wrote in. Did anyone get the uh, feeling that it would have been better for both USC and Gary Bryant Jr. if he stayed with the Trojans? His official stat line for the game was two receptions for 23 yards. I feel like we've had a huge drop-off in receiver quality this year, and I think Gary Bryant Jr. could have been a solid contributor for us. Sure wish he would have stayed. Sometimes it feels like the transfer, quote, porthole creates a ridiculous amount of churn that is unnecessary. Thoughts? Stephen Powell, and he says, P.S. I think Lincoln Riley is going to have to make more than just defensive changes this offseason. The team is going in reverse. He doesn't have a huge role at
0: Oregon, but he has a role on a team that's competing for a national championship. I don't think he has any doubts about transferring Gary Bryant. Do you, Ryan?
2: Uh, I think you're. if you transfer, it's good to go to a better team, but it's better to get numbers. It is, but I mean, he has a chance to win a championship. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, but I don't to be fair, I don't he would have probably had a very similar role at USC. Like we haven't seen anybody sort of like like if you're not Taj Washington or Brendan Rice at times, like Dorian Singer came in and didn't do anything, you know? Uh, Mario Williams has been with Caleb Williams for three years and he didn't do very much. I just can't picture Gary Bryant Jr. having a whole ton of success just because that's just not it just seems like you have a bunch of guys and sometimes it's a little Feaster family. Um, you know, Kyle Ford, like, does he regret his decision? Like, he still was going to have a kind of a, you know, probably minuscule role in the offense. Gary Bryant Jr., probably the same thing. Is Gary Bryant Jr. going to be recurring kicks when you got Zachariah Branch? Like, probably not. So, I think it's probably better, but it's just, there is churn. Kyle Ford goes to UCLA, doesn't do very much, but he probably wouldn't have done very much at USC. Gary Brian jr. He's going at least to a better team, but I think he's probably doing about the same as he would have been at USC too. So I think you're going there trying to get more volume, you know? Um, and I don't think either of those guys were getting it. One went to like a worse team and one went at least to a better team.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't think Gary Bryant has any regrets at all though. And I don't know if USC has any regrets about letting him go.
2: Uh, no, probably fair. Like, um, you know, there's a lot we got a lot of uh questions I've starred, so let me start going through these in the chat and we'll uh, let Connor get over to practice. Steven says, uh, do you think Eric Gentry will declare for the draft? I believe he could thrive with a new defensive coordinator. Who would you use uh who would use him better? I think he means fight on from West Covina.
0: I would be surprised if he entered the draft just because he's been so banged up this season. I don't really know what his future looks like in terms of. Staying healthy—that's just been a killer for him the past couple of years. And just his body, we all see how skinny he is. And I don't even know if the best best strength and conditioning program of all time could like make him bulkier and, and bigger. I just think he's kind of built like a string bean. And I think you have to hope that he can stay on the field. And I don't know if an NFL team like looks at him and says, okay, you know, this is a guy we want to take a chance on. The the bodies are bigger. I think another year at school will do him wonders. And hopefully he is able to figure out along with the staff and the, the strength people, just how to do a better job of staying on the field.
2: Yeah. Uh, we have a follow up on the Gary Bryant jr. Um, comments. Ryan says he regrets living in Eugene. Yeah, that was, um, I mean, it's pretty up there. Uh, Connor and I think we, no, I think I took a picture with Jack, like at a, there's a bunch of ducks in like a little stream or something that we took a picture. Of. It was like, you know, fall foliage. It looked nice, but yeah, you're like two hours away from, uh, Portland. It's just like, for me, that's just like not, not my kind of cup of tea. We'll see if maybe it's Gary Brian jr's. Maybe he likes that. I don't know. Did you like Eugene?
0: Yeah. I didn't like how far it was from Portland though.
2: Yeah. It was just, that was like, we could have potentially flown into Eugene, but it's a, it's a kind of a pain. Um, all right. This is from, uh, super OC Holmes, after your interview with the Br- with branch. I'm not sure which branch he's talking about. Uh, we talked to both, uh, Zion and Zachariah branch on television, which was a lot of fun he says, uh, what's your feeling about him transferring? The guy's got no special teams. Coach told the fair catch and nobody blocks on kicks for him. Uh, get, get the first team. Um, okay. So he's talking about Zachariah branch. I don't think he's a transfer candidate. He's here with his brother. I think they're both staying. But Do you have any thoughts on that? Chris and I were talking about who would be
0: the most surprising player to transfer out of everyone on the roster because you can't rule anything out nowadays, and I said Zachariah Branch. I would be shocked if he left. That would be a big surprise to me. Is it totally out of the question? No, but I would be surprised.
2: Yeah, I agree with you there. That's a good point. Um, that is pretty funny. Like, of all the players, not him. <laughs> That's Okay. Uh, LFG uh, wrote in and said "Uh, is it possible superstar quarterback Caleb Williams along with five or six other future Sunday players on this 23 Trojan squad will skip whatever bowl game USC gets invited to. So we we talked about Caleb Williams but we didn't really talk about other players potentially skipping a bowl game. Any thoughts on that? Certainly possible I think
0: The higher the draft pick, the more likely you are to sit. We see, though, guys who just are kind of done and don't want to risk getting injured. doesn't matter where they're going to go. That might not matter to them. If they're projected to be a later round pick, they still sit. I don't anticipate too many guys sitting, I don't think. I mean, I guess maybe I could see Brendan Rice sitting, maybe Jonah Monheim, but I think Taj Washington will play, and those are probably the biggest NFL guys, so... I mean, maybe that's the majority of them. I don't really know. That's sort, sort of a personal decision. That's not something like we report on, really. You know what I mean? Like, that's just kind of we'll see when we
2: see. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, no one's popping in my head like that guy's not going to play in a bowl game. So I think it would mostly be does Caleb play or not. Uh, Oscar wrote in and says, uh, so of today as today, who's the leading candidates for the D.C. job? Um, so make sure you check out the hot board over on uscfootball.com. Chris is doing a great job of putting those together. Uh, A lot of great candidates out there. Curious to see where it is, but I think it's, you know, I think the search is going on behind the scenes and, uh, you know, we'll see what kind of comes from that. But any other thoughts on that, Connor? Jim Leonard, Danton
0: Lynn, Jimmy Lake has been linked, but I need to see a little bit more before I really believe that. I think, Zach Arnett, who was just fired at Mississippi State, Riley loves to keep it all under that air raid system. And he was, of course, an assistant under Mike Leach before Leach passed away and then was the head coach at Mississippi State last year. He's had some good defenses. So if Riley does what he usually does, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Zach Arnett. I I hope they do something outside the box, though.
2: Yeah. I mean, Andy Avalos just got fired by Boise State. He was a Oregon defensive coordinator. There's a bunch of good names out there. Um, But I think you try to go after like a big one least a couple big ones early and then you know there's guys that are more like that makes sense too but like you could go for the pie in the sky ones and we'll see what they what they try and i I have no problem if you try to hire manny diaz and he says no or if you try to hire jim letter and they say no like i'd rather you go after those guys and try and see um hr picking stuff says uh the dc search takes are hilarious um, Dave Aranda is signed until 2029. His buyout is 25 to 30 million. He just signed that extension in 2020. He's not coming to USC.
0: Is he talking about in the chat? Because I don't think either of us mentioned Dave Aranda.
2: We haven't show. mentioned Dave Aranda, but he could be fired by Baylor. So then you don't have to worry about the buyout if he's fired. He's not too high on my list
0: because didn't he have like the best defense? in SEC history for like the last few years on, on that LSU team that, that won it all wasn't like, I'm, I'm sure he he's a good defensive coach, but what he's done at Baylor, why does that give anyone confidence that he can come in and turn things around at USC? And it's,
2: you know, that's more of a head coach thing versus DC thing. He's paired. I mean, he had a good defense with one of the best offenses we've ever seen in 2019 LSU. Um, just I feel th- like
0: they recruited the crap out of that team and it was just
2: studs, studs, there stud. were studs like, everywhere. I, But USC made a run at him for defensive coordinator. Like, Brandon Sosna was, like, on that. Like, they recognized him as someone they wanted to bring in. So smart people want him. So that makes sense. They did, but then he got the head coaching job. So then it was like, okay, that's not going to work. But they did make a run at him before. Now, that was a different administration. That wasn't Lincoln Riley. That wasn't, you know, Mike Bone, Brandon Sosna. So I'm not saying they would again, but they did before. Uh, But there would be... They're not going to hire him away as a head coach. You're not a sitting head coach. This is if he gets fired, then, you know, where does he want to go? Um, All right. we got a couple more. Touchdown USC. With media access at practice limited to five minutes of stretching, uh, what is the team hiding? It's a great question.
0: (laughs) I I just think they – I might have been the final nail in that coffin, Ryan, when Makai Lemon was working with – the D- DBs like a few weeks ago, I'm sure losing didn't help, but I asked Riley, like we saw Makai Lemon being with the defensive backs and then the next practice that was closed. So I'm sorry if it was my fault, but like Connor, you got the practice, but, but, the, but that's the job. Like that's the job. Uh, it's nothing weird. It's, it's just Makai Lemon, an offensive player going on defense. Hey, that's something new. That's something I didn't expect. Coach. Can you explain this? Like that's, if that, that's nothing bad at all. That's just, the job of a journalist. That's just what you do. I'm not sticking my nose in somewhere I shouldn't. I'm not investigating anything. Saw something interesting at practice. Asked the coach. If that led to it, then shame on them.
2: Yeah. It's uh, it's definitely unfortunate. And I, David Woods, we'd mentioned him a couple of times before. He saw this when USC was 6-0. And there was all this other weird stuff that the administration and the coaching staff was paying attention to and not the season. Um, you know, getting into it and suspending a reporter that blew up in their face. Dave was saying like, he's acting like an embattled head coach where you're like sort of fighting the media. You're fighting, you're fighting like these things that don't really have anything to do with football. They're sort of just like how you're running stuff and you're worried about what people are saying at practice or whatever, or watching we had a very limited window of what we'd watch at practice. It would be like the stretching stuff. You could watch guys fielding punts and kickoffs. And then when that was over, you could see like the defensive like players like line up. You, so you could kind of see who's running with the first team, because they would like the first group would like get out there and like kind of do fast feet and then run to the pylon. So you could say, okay, who was running with the first team defense? That was something you could see. The offensive players would go throw routes on air. So quarterbacks. Wide receivers, running backs, tight ends, just lining up. Quarterbacks throwing balls to them. Like that's basically what we saw. Then DBs sort of doing drills. They might be tackling drills and stuff. Offensive linemen were like super far away. Defensive linemen were like you know doing like bag drills. You didn't see a ton, but you could see like sometimes you could see something like okay, uh, Taka Curtis is running with the first team defense or whatever it was. So we had a very limited window of what we could observe. But I think you're right Connor then you would observe something and in your very limited window and they're like well we can't let them see that now so we're going to shut the window down even more. Um it just seems kind of silly to me. I don't know what I don't think it's hiding anything. I think it's just more about being paranoid and that's just the nature of college coaches now. They're just like they they think everything is a state secret and it to me it just seems silly. Like you're worrying about stuff it's taking you away from what you should be worrying about is like not giving up 80 yards of pass on defense or, you know, 256 rushing yards to a running back on a passing team. Like the things that you could be controlling, you're not, you're like worried about this outside stuff. And I think that's sometimes the side of embattled coach. This was happening before they were lost for their last five. But to me, that tells me, I don't know what you think about this, Connor. If he's six and zero and acting like they're like circling the wagons and like you know it's every we're against everybody, you were undefeated. You know, I think that means he realized that this was not going very well. And once they played better teams, it was going to get worse. Because otherwise, I don't think you act like that when you haven't lost a game yet, but you were acting like you had just lost a bunch of games, and then you go lose a bunch of games. So I don't know if that makes sense.
0: Didn't they close it more after Notre Dame, though? I thought it was a, a loss that led to them closing it more. When you say he was embattled, I, I get what you're saying. Do you remember like specifically what he was saying, or was it more just like actions? It just
2: it was more like the action. And like, you know, I think some of the stuff he was saying about the untrained eye, the you know, the you know um banning a reporter where you had to back off of that and let it back in. Like, there was just stuff that he was doing. You're like, you guys haven't lost a game. You don't even doing this stuff. Um, but they were. And I he was just his observation was he's acting like an embattled head coach who's like trying to fight for his job, where not an undefeated head coach who's ranked in the top ten. And then obviously that sort of like came to fruition. <laughs> like the fortune teller, David
0: Woods. Yeah, I, I, I get that a little bit. I, I just think the specifically as it pertains to practice, I think they really closed it after they started losing games. But the banning of the reporter, that's kind of when everything went to crap. I mean, it is. that was the bye week. Nothing went good after and that. And then you play Arizona State, didn't look very good. And I don't think that really had a huge, like that didn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. The team wasn't as good I don't as you thought, but yeah, I don't think it helped.
2: Uh, you're, you're upsetting like media members that vote for you in the AP poll. You kept dropping. Um, yeah, that wasn't uh, very good. Okay, we got a couple more. This one from the chat. Josh says, uh, what is the timing of the defensive coordinator hire, I believe he means, and any other staff transition? Uh, Not that we have much, uh, but is this another recruiting season that will be sacrificed?
0: You hope not, but potentially. I think everyone's gone. They'll hire a new defensive coordinator, and he'll bring in a whole new staff. So does that mean you lose out on Cameron Fountain, one of your top-rated defensive players from the South who isn't a local guy who – I don't think – like, who, you know, his mom is all in. So maybe he's he's all in. You, you yeah. follow his mom on Twitter. He, he, could you b- retain him with all new coaches and Lincoln Riley being the one constant? Maybe. But, I, I mean, if you have a coaching change, I wouldn't be surprised if one or two defensive guys left. You know what I mean? Retaining yeah. everyone, that would be – really impressive. But in my opinion, I think everyone else is gone and it's just going to be a house
2: cleaning. Yeah. And I don't think you lose the whole recruiting season because you're changing defensive coordinators, you know, no, but like Marcellus
0: there, Williams is going to stay.
2: Yeah. Like there's no matter it's what. It's just like, it's not like a head coach where you're like, okay, now you got like, you still have the head coach there. You still have all the stuff. Like um, a lot of the positive things are still there. All right. One last one. HR picking stuff. When was the last time USA had a pair of top tier cornerbacks on the same roster? It's um, been a while. I can't... I'm trying to think of a year. It's been, definitely been a while, you know? So, Roland Wallace
0: this year, I think, is good. Mackay Blackman last year. year before that, four and eight. I don't know how, how many elite people there were.
2: Not at all, yeah.
0: uh, Who Was someone alongside of Dory Jackson
2: that was great? <sighs> <sighs> no, I don't think so. Like, God, I think... Um, I'm blank on his name. He ended up, there was a undrafted free agent. He changed, he added a, I think he ended up having a pick six against, uh, Andrew luck. God, I can't remember his name. Uh, he, he signed with the bills. I believe oh, someone in the chat. Um, so, oh, so, uh, Ima Marshall and, uh, Adore Jackson, they were there. So, I mean, Marshall was like a five-star guy, so he was pretty legit. Um, man, I'm blanking on his name, but he added like a hyphenation to his name. Um, But uh, whatever. But like, yeah, so so Biggie was around. He was legit along with the Dory Jackson. So that's probably the last one. I think that would would make the most sense. Uh, Yeah. All right. Well, good stuff. Uh, We appreciate everyone uh, listening and uh, checking in. A lot of... uh, uh, A lot of... Questions, a lot of <laughs> comments, a lot of
0: opinions. It's very stormy out there right now. Oh they, Nicole
2: yeah. Roby, yeah. Nicole Roby called. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he was good. He was legit, but I forget who he was paired up with.
0: He lasted in the NFL a long time.
2: He was he was there for a while. He was I think he was a seventh rounder undrafted free agent and then ended up like being around for a while. But I couldn't remember who he was paired up with. Um but back to your point, uh or what we were saying, like it, it's stormy right now, they just gotta ride this out and brighter
0: days are ahead, I promise. Yeah I, I, I hope. I think Maybe there's I brighter. I should promise just,
2: that. I think there's. <laughs> I hope so. There are brighter days ahead. I think, um, but you got to make the big one is make a great defensive coordinator hire. I think there was optimism because the defensive players got better. That all you needed to do is the defense just be a little bit better, decently better, and it should be a really good team. And unfortunately, the defense. I mean, I can't even imagine saying this, but got worse. Or in the in the area of good. It's not, you know, it's, it's debatable where there got worse, which it shouldn't have been debatable. It should have been like clearly better. If you could debate that it's worse, that's a huge, huge problem. Cause they were historically, historically bad last year. So that's a big deal. So you got to fix that. And uh, that, that'll be, give some optimism in the off season, off season, fixing all that. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up. Connor Morissette sitting right next to me, Mr. Triple Double. Make sure you check out their podcast coming soon if you like the basketball. If you like the basketball, it'll be going on uh, with Connor and uh, Shotgun. We will have Total Vision Thursday night. Connor won't be here. Um, his mythical girlfriend has a birthday or something. <laughs> She's real, I promise. She's real. Like Chris's girlfriend, as real as Chris's girl. Chris's girlfriend's been here. So I don't know. Like, yeah, Marissa we gotta get to, Marissa in the studio. Get Marissa here in the studio. We might have a special guest uh working on getting a player to take Connor's place, so a USC football player. We've done like the tunnel vision videos on Thursday, recorded. Potentially get a live player to sort of preview USC UCLA. So that should be a lot of fun. So I we, always
0: miss the best stuff. I, I didn't know this. <laughs>
2: That's the first time I'm saying, I think uh. I've been working on it. It's been a, a text exchange. So we're working on getting a player for tunnel vision. So I think it would be me, Jack and potentially a player, probably not in studio, probably would be remote, but, um, we're working on that. Otherwise we'll get Chris or somebody to come in too. So, uh, but we really appreciate everyone listening. Please uh, like, and subscribe our YouTube channel anywhere. You can get the podcast and of course, go over to uscfootball.com. If you are not a VIP member, Jump in there. All kinds of great stuff. Uh, Amazing post. There was one of the best posts I've ever seen on the P. Breaks down all of the defensive coordinator candidates with a whole bunch of criteria. Tier zero. That was one of the coolest posts I've seen. This is just a user on the Peristyle. USCfootball.com premium member that went through, did a ton of research. It was really good. It got all the way back to Brandon Sosna, who was like looking at it. So um, really good stuff there. There's a lot of great conversations on the P. So hopefully you uh, you guys can get over there. If you're not a subscriber, uh, do yourself a favor and go do that. You can do it. Sign up for a buck. Just try it out and see what you like. Uh, but for Connor, I'm Ryan Abraham. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed the show. And uh, we will talk to you next time. All right, we have 30 seconds. Great, let's mention the cool new products at your neighborhood Trader Joe's.
0: We don't have enough time
2: for all those. Or we could talk about the crew. We love the crew. Or we could have customers tell us about their new Trader Joe's recipes.
0: Did I mention we have 30 seconds?
2: See, this is why we have a podcast called Inside Trader Joe's so that we have time to talk about all of those things.
0: 30 seconds is up.
2: Inside Trader Joe's is available wherever you listen to podcasts, like this one.